That's it. Let's go ahead and lift the Lord up right now. Oh, come on. Someone go ahead and throw your head back. Open up your mouth. Oh, come on. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we're glad to be in your house this morning. Anybody glad to be apostolic in the house today? Anybody still excited about being baptized in Jesus' name? Being filled with the Holy Ghost. Our world is going crazy, but God chose you to put you in the church to save your soul. Amen. And to get you ready for heaven. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You open up in your Bible to Judges chapter number 2. I'm going to go right into the Word, but I do want to say, mind my manners here and say thank you very much, Elder Morton. I mean, he's been a hero of my family's for many years. I've even got a grandson that's uh, got his name. Amen. My son named him Rocky after him and I both have the same first name. My pastor, Tommy Johnson, and Vaughn Morton, his name is Rocky Tommy Vaughn. Amen. Rocky TV. <laughs> the Dunlaps have a TV in the house. And, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> but that's the only one we have. So appreciate you, Elder Morton. Man, appreciate and the stand for truth that you have taken, I give honor to you. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Lackey and their family, Truth Tabernacle family, the hard work that's gone into this meeting. Amen. I give honor and I value every preacher, every preacher's wife that's, that's in this house. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. <clears throat> All the good saints of God, we couldn't have West Coast without you. Glad to have, amen, two of my daughters here and their family. Some of our church family from Heritage Pentecostal Church. I'm crazy about these good folks. and They're sitting right in front, so I'm just going to preach to them today. Amen. My wife sends her warmest regards, her love. I spoke to her today as she was headed to a radiation treatment. She expressed her desire to be here. <clears throat> Amen. And wanted to make sure that I thanked everybody that over the last year has prayed for her. There are many, many prayers that have gone up from many churches. And we don't take that lightly. We have felt your prayers. It has been a strength. My wife is doing very well. Uh, last year I was on vacation <clears throat> with dear friends of ours that brother and sister Collins from Idaho and I got the call from my daughter, and she said, Dad, it's cancer. It was my son-in-law that was diagnosed. One, we got through that week, got home. He had surgery. The day before he had surgery, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, But you know what? My son-in-law was here today, healthy, clean bill of health. My wife is doing very, very good. Amen. God's hand has been upon her. Amen. We have a bright future. I've been married for over 30 years. If the Lord tarries, I'm shooting for another 30. So, amen. Thank you for the knife, Elder Morton. I've heard a lot of people brag about pocket knife from Elder Morton. I did notice it's called a rough rider. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's uh, a hidden meaning in that. Maybe we'll know when I get done here in a little bit. Hallelujah. Judges chapter number 2, verse number 7. Judges 2 and 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. Who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse number 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. 
And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you the next few moments from this very familiar passage of Scripture, this thought. When the sacred loses its value. Put your Bibles down. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to help us this morning. I love you, Jesus. I love this book. I love this word. I love your people. I love the church of the living God. I love this lifestyle. I love my family. I love my elders. I love the saints of God. I love you, Jesus. Help us. God, I need your anointing. Anoint my lips and my vocal cords. Anoint every ear and every heart. God, and I'm asking you to speak to us today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Starting to see and feel a thread in this conference. I want to say as I step to this pulpit, I do not come here pretending to be an elder. I'm... I don't have any kind of false ideas here. But at the same time, I must acknowledge to myself, if to none other, that since I have stepped into the fifth decade of my life, and I'm now walking down that avenue, I understand this morning that I've got some responsibilities. I've got a dear wife at home that I've been married to for over 30 years. And I may not have understood it. Amen. That when I walked down an aisle as a teenager and I made some vows and some commitments and I said, I do. Amen. I, I promised to love and to cherish her and to, to honor her. And I, I said that I would be beside her. Amen. Whether it was good or bad and riches and poor, sickness and health. And, and I may not have understood it completely then. But today I stand before you understanding that I've got a responsibility to my dear wife. I understand that I've got to, uh, two of my daughters here, seven of my 13 grandchildren, and I've got a responsibility today. I've got a church family that is sitting before me that have come to support me. And I understand that I've got a responsibility today. Amen. Our world is full of people that want to stand up and demand their rights. Amen. But there's just not a lot of people today, amen, that says, I demand my responsibilities. Amen. As a man of God and as a preacher, amen, it's not hard to say I've got a right to live off of, amen, the, the, the good hard earning, amen, that, that my saints, amen, work hard for and they put their tithe in. And, amen. I'm glad for that right. But today, along with that right, I've got a responsibility to some people, amen, that need to hear a word from God. I've got a responsibility today to some people, amen, that need to to hear some direction from God when I stand in the pulpit. There are 200,000 people in my city. 500,000 people in my immediate surrounding area. Amen. There's just not a lot of pulpits. Amen. That will stand and preach the truth today. I've got a responsibility. I want to take it a little bit further. In Fresno, there is 500,000 people. Just about a million in this immediate area. There are some preachers under the sound of my voice that stand with me with responsibility today. Hallelujah. So while I'm not an elder, I feel a heavy spirit of responsibility today. Judges chapter 2 records the heart-wrenching demise of a one-God people. Amen. When we read this chapter, amen, it's perplexing to the mind to see people that had been given so much, but yet they got to a place where they knew not the Lord, neither the works of the Lord, a people that had Abrahams that were willing to sell out 
and turn his back on Ur the Chaldees and, and to seek for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. Isaacs who did not shun for one moment the fact that they had to lay it all on an altar. A Jacob that was not willing to compromise his heritage and his birthright. Amen. Joseph that we heard about today that would rather lose a coat than to give up a clean conscience. A Moses that was willing to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Fearless mountain men like Caleb. Amen. That said we are well able. Joshua was that declared, choose you this day whom you will serve. That's what builds a nation. And that's what builds a church is people that are willing to take on a responsibility and not worry about I've got this right. Amen. And I've got that coming to me. Amen. I feel a burden on me today to preach what God has put in me. Thank God for people that are still willing to stand up and say, give me my responsibility. Give me something to stand for. I couldn't help but to think in prayer and preparation. Amen. Uh, Elder Morton mentioned my time with Brother Johnson. When I first got there, I was still working a, a secular job. And stepping off with Brother Johnson would, is how I would launch into the full-time ministry. I'd been preaching about 15 years, but, but I still was working a secular job. And I, I remember the morning well. Amen. February the 1st. 2003, uh, my wife and I both had a little time and we were headed to our favorite little breakfast place. And I remember the announcement that came on the radio as we drove. And they were describing the re-entry of the space shuttle, space shuttle Columbia. And as they began to talk about what was happening, I looked to my wife and I, and I said, that we've just lost the shuttle. And it would be a few minutes before the media would figure that out with the, the job that I had at time. I, uh, I had a responsibility and I had a crew that was at Cape Canaveral for the recovery. And I got on the phone right away and began to make uh, uh, plans and, and flight arrangements. And within just a short while, I would have them to meet me in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. And we would spend the next several weeks there trying to recover the remains of, of the astronauts and trying to re recover the remains of, of that shuttle, figuring out what happened. Amen. The shuttle disintegrated over East Texas and Louisiana. And as it re-entered the Earth's atmosphere, seven brave men and women were killed. And it would dominate the headline news for several weeks. Citizens in the area, I remember as they began to shower their support and, 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 and volunteer. I, I remember the good gumbo that, that, that they had and sandwiches and bluebell ice cream came out. And amen, they had a freezer that in headquarters they kept filled up. And it was just a couple weeks. And I noticed my clothes were fitting a little snugger. And I, uh, I stepped on the scales and I said, what in the world? And, and then I opened up the freezer in, in the hotel I was staying in and I saw the devil. <laughs> Several quarts of Blue Bell ice cream. <laughs> the area in East Texas had never seen anything like this. Thousands of workers and volunteers would walk out and uh, they would walk on, on search lines every day at, at the highlight 5,000 people per day. Amen. The deaths of the seven astronauts was unsettling. Two people were killed and three others were injured when a U.S. Forest Service helicopter during search operations lost control and crashed. I remember getting the report of a man that was bitten by a rattlesnake. Others that broke their bones. And uh, one of my team members gave me a call and said, uh, it's not good. We've about demolished a rental vehicle. And the SUV they were driving Amen. As the bumper was laying on an old back road, they had come head to head with a boar. And the wild boar came out on the better end of it. But just all these things that were happening. But I didn't know it at the time. And it wasn't making the headlines. And, and people were not talking about it. But I discovered through time and, and it got my attention. I began to investigate it. But something even more disturbing was happening right there in that area. It wasn't talked about. It's still not talked about today. But if you would happen to wander along the back roads of Rust County, Texas, amen, you'd find a rustic cemetery called Pleasant Hill. When you enter that cemetery, 
Amen. If you just looked around, you'd see something very, very wrong that would catch your eyes at the entry. Amen. There is a, a, a headstone that says James W. Harris, born June the 12th, 1924, died March the 18th, 1937. Gone, but not forgotten. Just shy of his 13th birthday. Near James's plot is the angled headstone, amen, of Sammy Lee Shoemate, born November the 28th, 1925, died March the 18th, 1937, 11 years old. Behind her is another, and another behind that, and yet another. Markers with one date in common. Turn and there's more, many more with the same date. March the 18th, 1937, was called the day that a town lost its future. The day a generation perished. It was a day when angels cried. It was the day that the sacred lost its value. In 1937, the Great Depression was in full swing. But the London School District in Russ County, Texas, was one of the richest in America. Amen. A 1930 oil fine, one of the richest in our history, amen, in that area, boosted the local economy. Educational spending grew with it. The London School, a large structure of steel and concrete, was constructed in 1932 at a cost of $1 million, which in today's dollars would be over $17 million. The London Wildcats, as they were called, it was a play on an oil prospector, would be the first football team in the, the, the state of Texas in their history ever to play under electric lights. Amen. You talk about high tech. You talk about having all the resources. You talk about having everything that they could ever need. Some said it was the finest public school in America. Others said it was the finest in the world. Their resources were unlimited because of the oil money that was flowing in. Until the worst school disaster in history occurred. Hundreds, hundreds lost their lives. They don't even know to this day how many there was because some were those, those roughnecks and those oil workers that when they found their, their child, amen, they, they, they just left town to bury him somewhere else. Some never found. Some were never found. Some were ne- All they know is that it was hundreds. All because the sacred lost its value. Perhaps this incident would be more bearable for me and for those in that area if it had been some kind of a natural disaster that was uncontrollable. If it had been a bombing, a terrorist attack, a fire, a tornado, a hurricane. Amen. But the death of hundreds was inexcusable and it was senseless. There is a real danger, amen, for all of us when priorities shift and with it reality is skewed. When we begin to exercise our rights and we forget about our responsibilities. Early in 1937, the school board canceled their natural gas contract. And they had plumbers install a tap into Paradise Gasoline Company's uh, residual gas, the natural gas. At the time, it was just burnt off. It was a waste product. They didn't know what to do with it. But they did all this despite the fact they had all the money they could ever want to, to save a little bit of money. The school had unlimited resources, yet it took a shortcut. Amen. Somebody, hear me today, somebody got a revelation on a new way to get the power distributed to where they needed it. Someone said there's an easier way. Someone said, oh, you're getting quiet on me now. Someone said there's a cheaper way. Someone said it doesn't take all this. Someone said we can go another route and still get the job done. Net gain and numbers and the bottom line took priority over the safety of a soul. At 3.17 on a Thursday, 13 minutes before the school day ended, 13 minutes before a three-day weekend, 13 minutes before safety, 13 minutes and it would have been all right. 13 minutes near the end. They were just about there. I'm telling you, we are too close to the end. Amen. To begin messing with things that have worked. 
Oh, we're too close to the end to start taking shortcuts. We're too close to the end to find another way to get the power. We're too close to the end to come up with a new method and a new way that's worked. Hallelujah. A heartbeat away from safety. Amen. When an invisible, silent, undetected enemy struck. Judges 2 says, another generation. I'm just not preaching to our young people. That word generation, it means an age. A time. Amen. I didn't come to straighten anybody out, but I came here with a heavy responsibility. I I was glad to hear Brother Jackson say last night, amen, that he heard from God and that he was preaching what God gave him. It's becoming politically correct for a preacher to get behind the pulpit and to say, I thought about, I read it in a book somewhere, amen, but I'm glad, amen, that there's still people that will stand up and say, this is the Word of God. This is the Word of God, and it's in my mouth today. Amen, this oh. Hallelujah. I do believe I heard from God. I do believe I've got the mind of God today. I do believe I feel, amen, this heavy spirit of responsibility to preach to this generation. Amen. It says another generation, amen, came upon the scene. Amen. In the New Testament, there are two words. Amen. That are used for another. Amen. As in John 14 and 16, the words of Jesus. He said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another. The Greek word there is alios. It means another of the same. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter. What he was saying, it's not a second person. It's not a third person of the Godhead. What he was saying is, I'm coming back. It's going to be in a different form, but it's another of the same kind. And then there is the word that is used in Acts 7 and 18. It says, till another king arose that knew not Joseph, Brother Townley. Amen. That word there is heteros. It's where we get the word heterosexual. While we are all humans, amen, the men are supposed to be attracted to another of a different kind. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping I'm not going to have to preach on that. We, we still know that a marriage is between a man and a woman. We, we still know that, that God created that way. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what the job says. It doesn't matter what a school says. It's still between a, a man and a woman. Uh, amen. Another of a different kind. A generation. Amen. That, that, that rose up. And they had different values. They had different likes and lifestyles and interests. Amen. A generation that, 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 that said they didn't know God. And they didn't know about the works of God. I am concerned, amen, in 2014 for the apostolic church. Unless we become a nation, amen, that's so far from God that it gets into the church. Amen. And we no longer really know God. We no longer know, amen, about a move of God and the works of God. Amen. I'm telling you, this is a heteros generation that we live in. But I proclaim tonight... Not my life, not my family, not my church. I'm going back to the way that's worked. They were a generation of another kind. Oh, they were still Hebrews. They they still were Jewish. They still preserved their tribes. Their families. They still had their robes with their little fringes on the bottom. They still had a tabernacle and, a, and an ark. And 
sacrifices. They had their little rituals and they had their forms. But the Holy Ghost wrote and said they had a major problem. Amen. And that problem was they didn't know God. That word know there is yada. And it means that they were not familiar with. They weren't connected to. They didn't have a relationship. Oh, they, they still were one God people. And they still had the robes. They still had the tabernacle. They still had the priesthood. But a generation that didn't know God, didn't know His character, didn't know what He was really like. And they sure didn't know about the works of God. How long has it been? Amen. Since there's been tongue and, tongues and interpretation in your church service. How long has it been? Amen. Since somebody's been healed. Uh, I'm not putting anybody down. We need more of this in our church. Amen. But I'm telling you. Amen. If anybody should be seeing these things. It's the, it's the people I'm preaching to right now. It's the people that make up the apostle. Oh, you can sit there if you want to. I'm telling you. We need a move of God. We still need God to move. We still need the Holy Ghost to, to have its way. Have we become too refined? Are our suits too nice? And your dress is too expensive? Amen. I can remember in years gone by, right here in this building, where I saw men and women and young people and children laying on their faces, amen, on a concrete floor, amen, getting up with puddles on the floor because they were hungry for a move of God. Oh, I, I'm feeling a little bit of resistance here today. Listen, I can't pastor my church without the Holy Ghost. I can't reach my city, amen, unless God moves. I've somehow got to find a way to get plugged into the Holy Ghost. And they had a major problem. It was not location. Oh no, it wasn't location. They were, in, they were on this side of Jordan. I, I'm not preaching to the people that's on the other side of Jordan. This morning, I'm not preaching to the compromisers. I, I'm not preaching to the Trinitarians. I'm not preaching to the people that won't go through the water. I'm not preaching to people that staying on the other side. I'm preaching to us. I'm not, I'm not here to put anybody down, but I'm telling you, if anybody ought to get this, it ought to be us. It ought to be us. Amen. We need a baptism of hunger and a baptism of responsibility to get a hold of us, to shake us to the very roots. What location? I mean, it wasn't resources. I mean, they were in a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was not doctrine. They believed in one God. Listen, I've never seen the church as blessed as it is now. Sure, we go through things. Sure, things happen. But I've never been more blessed in my life. I've never had it better than I do. I've never felt the anointing more than I don't care what comes our way. As was preached last night, God is going to help us. Amen. If we learn to escape. We've got more than we've ever had as a church. Amen. But we've got less of a move of God. Amen. Some of you that when you were back in your old building. Amen. Back in that storefront. Back in that rented building. You remember when the, amen, the place shook under the power of the... Listen, I, I'm looking for a new building myself. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do not want to lose, amen, something just because I changed location. I don't want to move. I don't want to lose the anointing in the day and hour that we're living in. If there's ever been a time... And you know what? I've got a responsibility. And you've got a responsibility to seek after a move of God. You've got a responsibility to hunger after the things of God. Hallelujah. But they knew not the Lord. They didn't know the works of the Lord. I mean, it was a generation where the sacred had lost its value. 
where God was no longer the priority, where the works of God, a move of the Holy Ghost was just a story. Oh, they were one God people. They believed in the Shema. They, they believed in one God. But so do the Jews, and they killed Jesus Christ. So do the Muslims. They believe in one God. ISIS believes in one God. They believe Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Anybody love that scripture today? Oh, come on. We're still one God, people. I'm not putting that down. It's the greatest revelation we ever got. Shema, Israel, Elonai, Elohenai, Elonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I never want to lose that. I never want to take that for granted. I never want that sacred truth to lose its value. It does matter for one God. It does matter. And as apostolics, we're proud of our one God revelation, and we we should be. James 2 and 19 says it this way. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. Oh, I've preached that. Your pastor's preached that. You've shouted, you've danced, you run the aisles because we believe that there's one God and we're doing well and the devils believe it and they tremble. Amen. But we, we, we shout over the candy stick, but we don't often stop to consider the next verse. The next verse, verse 20 says, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? James was not teaching about one God in James chapter 2. He, his subject is not one God. In fact, when you read it, it's almost like verse 19 was just stuck in there. The subject is works, fruits, actions, lifestyle because of faith. What he was saying is you might be one God, and that's good. But it's really not that big of a deal because the devils believe in one God. The devil believes in one God and that hadn't changed him. Oh, oh we, we, I, I love those one God scriptures. But I'm here to tell you, amen, just because we believe in one God and I never want to lose that, that's not enough. There's a lot of one God people. Amen, ISIS is one God. What good's it doing them? First of all, you got to have the right God, the one God. But I'm telling you, Amen. It's got to go beyond that. Amen. We love Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And, and that's called the Shema. It's the Hebrew word for hear. Amen. But the next verse, amen, after we, amen, find out He's one God, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Can I tell you something? Amen. The Shema... It's more than just verse 4. It's more than hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But it also is about loving God. Amen. With all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Well, one of the scribes came and asked Jesus, which is the first commandment? Jesus, what's number one? What's, what's the most important Jesus answered him in Mark 12 and 29. The first in another gospel, he said the greatest of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. It is concerning to me, amen, to live in a generation where there is more hype and there is more talk and there is more excitement about the latest release of iPhone 6 than there is about a revelation of Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Oh, I I figured I'd hit some of you right where you lived. 
when we spend more time, amen, on words with friends than we do in the word of the greatest friends. When we can get on Facebook and we can't get our face in the book. Oh, I don't, I don't hit some of you below the belt, but I'm telling you, technology's not the problem. I got a man from the church I pastor that's sitting in the congregation right now. He's worked for Microsoft for 15 years. We're not stopping it. We're not stopping this thing. The problem's not technology. It brings a lot of problems. But the problem is, amen, that the sacred things have lost its value. Our relationship with God, the God that died on a cross for you, the God that shed His blood. Brother Dunlap, why don't we have a move of God like the elders talk about? Be seated. We, we, we hear a lot about Brush Harbor. We hear a lot about the old days. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the old days that when my grandmother came in church in southeastern Ohio, amen, had 15 kids, an alcoholic husband that never did live for God. Listen, I want to tell you, it, it, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You make up your mind that you're going to live for God. And you value the sacred things that, that God gives you. And you can live for God in any situation. She had 15 kids. I mean, they lived in the projects. As you can imagine, an alcoholic wouldn't keep a job. Couldn't keep a job. Amen. But yet somehow she lived for God. And for 13 years, she prayed, God, you saved my family. God, you see my children. By that time, my, my father was uh, uh, third to the youngest. There was a set of twins younger than him. But, I mean, there were 12 that were older than him. And, I mean, many of them were already married. And, and for 13 years, she prayed, God, you've got to do something with my family. God, you, you, you've got to save them. You've, you've got to do something in the Dunlap home. Amen. They said it got to the place that she would come to church every night. And she'd say, I want you to pray for my family. To the point that people in the church started telling her, just, just Helen Dunlap, why don't you just be quiet? Why don't you just... Sit back there. We for 13 years nobody visited the church. For 13 years none of her family came out. Amen. But when that first one came out on Mother's Day, in two weeks, in two weeks' time, 53 in her family were baptized in two weeks. Why don't we see it like that anymore? We don't see it like that anymore because we've lost the value, amen, of sacred things. We've forgotten how to pray. Hallelujah. Go ahead, go ahead and sit down because you're going to sit down on me anyway right about now. Amen. I was here before. They, they called for prayer at 9.30. I was back there praying. When I heard the preacher get up here and begin to, amen, uh, lead people in prayer, I said, just, just let me look at, at West Coast Conference 2014. When you've spent, some of you have spent thousands of dollars to get here. You've taken limited vacation time to get here. You've taken off from your job to get here. You've said things to the side to get to West Coast Conference. You've went, we've got people here from overseas. We've got people here from the East Coast and North and South, all directions. And amen. It, it, it's, I love West Coast and coming here. I said, just let me step out there on a Thursday morning after the young people played ball till one o'clock. After we fellowshiped until way too late. After we ate our way. Amen. Into, uh... Well, it's quiet. And at 9.30, amen, there wasn't enough people to fill up just one of these sections. Where were you, church? Where were you, church? Oh, the... the ah, uh, listen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I appreciate the invitation to be here, Elder. Amen. I don't get invited back. That's okay with me. Amen. Sometimes I got trouble just pastoring my own church. I'm not looking for another place to preach. I'm looking for a revival. 
I'm looking for somebody that will share a hunger with me. Somebody that wants a move of God. Somebody that says, we got to get a move of God. Where are the intercessors? Where are the young men that can play ball till one? Amen. Where are they when it's prayer time? Where are the families that are struggling right now that need a way to escape? You can tell how much value we place on something or someone by the honor that we show. The Greek word honor means to fix value, to esteem, to revere. The Bible can, commands us to honor, to value some sacred things. This is in exact opposite, in contrast with the world's mindset and the day and the hour that we live in. Because it's all about rights, but nobody wants a responsibility in America, freedom has become its own God. Well, I, lest I remind you, amen, that our nation was born in rebellion. We rebelled against Britain. I'm not saying it wasn't for the right reasons. Amen, but I'm telling you, it is important what womb you come out of. Well, it's quiet right now. That's why when you have your little church split, and someone goes across town and starts another work, amen, that congregation is going to struggle with rebellion until they make it right. Man, listen to all that applause. What's wrong with accountability? Hey, elder, I'm submitted to you. I, I get out of line, you jerk my, you jerk my tail, and, I, and I'll just sit down. But I'm telling you, it is important. What whom? We got to be careful that that spirit that is in America, it's only grown since then. We, we got to. It's no wonder one of the biggest selling license plates in states that have it is that old image of the Gadsden flag of that serpent coiled up. Amen. Ready to strike that says, do not tread on me. The spirit of our day. Freedom of speech. Amen. Equates to filth and perversion and pornography. Often when someone starts demanding their freedoms and their rights, it's nothing more than a cover-up for responsibility. I'm all for freedom of speech, but I'm also for accountability and responsibility. Freedom of choice equates to the killing of the unborn. You see, if we, if we make it a choice, somehow that, that, that dampers down the fact that we're killing innocent babies. It's a choice. They've got a right. The gay rights movement. Amen. The gay rights movement. Amen. They used to be called something much more derogative. They used to be on the American Psychiatric Association's list of mental disorders. It wasn't until they fought against it in the 70s that they took it off and said it's not a mental disorder. And they knew they couldn't be called those derogative. So they made, amen, the term gay. Rights. It's a right. I'm telling you, amen, when we demand the rights, amen, and we forget about the responsibilities, what about the responsibilities of being moral? What about the responsibilities of what the Bible says? Oh, I figured you'd get quiet on me, but I'm here to preach the Word of God. It's still the Word of God. Amen. Civil rights is used to excuse civil disorder. Well, millions will turn out to occupy Wall Street, but how many will obey the words of Jesus in Luke where he said, Occupy till I come? Amen. They'll turn out in the droves to experience a flag burning. Amen. But where are the people that will turn out for a burning bush experience? A whole lot of people will turn out for a sit-in. Amen. But I want to know today who's willing to stand up for truth. 
got a news flash. Amen. As an apostolic, you don't have any rights. Well, who's he to tell? You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't belong to you. Listen. When the Lord bought you off the auction block of sin, I don't care if you grew up in the church or not. Amen. When He saved your soul and His blood was applied to you. Amen. He purchased you with His own blood. And you're not your own. Tell that went over good. You're bought with a price, Paul said. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Some of you all nervous right now because I said body. In your word, they're going to preach something on some holiness. Listen, in my church, I don't call it standard. I call it values. You can tell how much you value your relationship with God by the way that you present your body to be seen. Uh, when the sacred loses its value, I, I don't know what it, I, I haven't heard. That. Amen. I, I'm sure someone's going to hit it in this conference. Someone needs to hit it. Amen. We need to hit it in every conference. Holiness. Some of you say. Some of you just lost interest right now. I'm telling you, I love holiness. I love holiness. I love living for God. I love living right. I love. I don't want to get... Look, heaven's sending confetti. Heaven likes holiness. Be seated. I'm not going to get sidetracked on it. I've got too much other things I want to deal with, but I'm telling you. Amen. The length of your skirt and how tight it is, it, it declares to the world the value that you place on your relationship with God. Well, it's, y'all think, when people think when they just sit down on me, no, that just eggs me on. Listen, ladies, your hair, it's mentioned last night, you got to value the sacred. I've watched my wife over the last year, and they told her that when chemo starts, she, she was raised a Catholic girl. I took her to church, me and my father, when she was a teenager. And the first thing, I was interested in her. But I, <laughs> I don't advise you to do it this way. Amen. I wanted to see what she thought. And she said, when we got out of church, she said, those people are crazy and I'm never going back. But as we began to talk, she said, I felt something that I've never felt. And I've heard preaching like I've never heard. And I've saw things. And I'm telling you, God got a hold of that Catholic girl's heart. Amen. She was baptized in Jesus' name. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. You hear me. Amen. She has never trimmed her hair. She's never cut her hair. She's never colored her hair. She's never chewed her hair off. She's never burned it off. But as those chemo treatments started taking effect. Amen. And people... And some people in the church said, just go ahead and cut it off because it's going to fall out anyway. The doctors all said, oh, you ought to just go ahead and, and just shave your head. Everybody does because it's going to fall out. It's going to look funny. She said, no, 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 no. Amen. God loves my long hair. God, and you listen to me. I saw as that chemo treatment started coming. Amen. I was standing in the shower one Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church. She'd been in the hospital and had an infection, had another operation. By this time, I think three operations. And I saw her stand in front of her mirrors. I'm in the shower. Amen. And I saw she's brushing her hair. And I saw her hair coming out in handfuls. And she's standing in front of the mirror with my ha- my wife's hair was beautiful. It was well below her waist. She'd never cut it. Amen. And I saw her standing with two handfuls of hair and saying, God, I've got to go to church. God, I've got to be... And then it fell out. 
and it got thin. It got to where there were just a couple, couple straggles, and amen, it got to... But I'm telling you, she never cut it. Amen. There's just some things. We can come up with all kinds of excuses on why, amen, we are touching some sacred things in the hour we're living in. Hallelujah. Just, just when I thought that, amen, I'd, I'd preached on everything that you could preach on that could possibly come in the church. I'm seeing these guys wear these. Oh, some of y'all, I lost you. I'm, I'm, I don't know who, what socks you got on. I'm not, not trying to embarrass you. I mean, I'm seeing guys with the happy socks. Well, my, my first experience was not seeing someone in a church, but my first experience was seeing a preacher older than me with happy socks. Orange and green and pink and lime yellow and... Now, is that a sin? It may not be a sin. As Elder Picklesheimer would say, it sure is a shame. I got looking. The happy socks movement began in the homosexual community. It was a sign to show without saying, hey, I'm a homosexual. The rainbow... Here's my point. Amen. I want people to look at me. Amen. And say there's something different. I want God to look at me and say He loves me. He still believes in the sacred things. And Hallelujah. So is sacred, is happy socks a, a sin? Is, can, can, can you get to heaven as your skirt gets shorter and get, gets, gets, gets tighter? How close can I get? And when you begin to lose sight and sacred things lose their value. These outward things are nothing more, amen, than a red flag of an inward problem. We don't have rights. We're bought with a price. Exodus says, if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Listen, men, we love being the king of our castle. How long I've been preaching? Someone tell me I don't have, can't see. We love being king of our castle, but can I remind you, you're also the priest of your home. Got quiet there. We've got a responsibility. Amen. There, there, there's been a a thread that I can see beginning to be weaved here concerning families. I mean, West Coast has been known as a meeting place for the whole family, and I'm, I'm glad for that. I, I like bringing my family and my church family here. But I want to tell you, when we fail to value the sacred, amen, there's going to be a curse in every area of life. In Genesis 9 and 24, I want to talk to you young people for just a moment. Amen. Genesis 9 and 24 says, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said... Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Noah's curse was profound. Amen. Because, amen, Ham did not honor, did not value his father. Amen. Uh, he, Noah said that he will be a servant of servants. He, he will struggle with bondage. In slavery, and you follow that line of Ham, and that's exactly what we did. Young people, I'm telling you, there is something about honoring and valuing sacred things that brings a blessing and losing the value of sacred things that bring a curse every time. Amen. The key is to understand now, now, 
Amen. Canaan had a problem because daddy wasn't perfect. Now, daddy was all right when he got a revelation to build the ark and to save the family. And daddy was all right, amen, when it come, amen, to putting food on the table. And daddy was all right when it came, amen, to blessing him. But when daddy made a mistake, he said, I... He lost the value. Again and again and again, the Bible tells us, honor our parents. Young people, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 66. Amen. That still applies. If you cannot honor an imperfect person, a leader, a parent, a spouse, a boss, a brother or a sister, you will have continual difficulty advancing in life. There's a lot of people that's got a, a woe is me attitude and the world is against me. And really what it is, they've never learned to value the sacred things in life. Amen. There are too many couples in Pentecost that are in trouble in their marriage. Amen. It's because somehow, some way, we have lost the value of the sacred. When you were dating him, sister... Let me get musicians to come. You were dating him. He could do no wrong. When, when daddy said, I'm not, not sure, old daddy. He's going to get a job. He's, he's going to come around. He, he could, all you could see was the good things. But something happens when the honeymoon's over. The moon tips over. The honey runs out. The in-laws become the outlaws. And all you can see is his faults. My brother, she was the most beautiful thing in the world when you walked down that aisle. You, you wouldn't have taken all the money in the world for her. But somehow, because of the pressures of life, family, and a job, You've lost the value of that sacred marriage that you vowed before God, before family, and before friends. I remind you that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, living in paradise, the only part of paradise that God allowed them to take with them was their marriage and their family. A little bit of heaven on earth. Leviticus 19 and 32 says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor and value the face of the old man. I fear that in the hour that we are living, we have lost the value of the voice of our elders. I don't want to be a preacher. I mean, that heaps men around me. Amen. Just to tell me what I want to hear. But I need someone that when I'm wrong... Elder Mort, you ever see me getting off, off course? Amen. You just come behind me and, amen, you do what you need to do. Someone asked me, why would you have Tommy Johnson as your pastor? Why would you have D.C. Elder, uh, D.C. Moody as your elder? Because I need men that will tell me no. I need elders that will tell me no. I don't need buddies. I need elders. When I see Ron Garrett wearing happy socks, I'll wear them. When I see Phil White wearing happy socks, when, when the elder sits up. Every one of us needs the voice of an elder.
I don't say this lightly, but I say this to every man in this building, every preacher. That's my elder. You see me getting off track. You see something goofy. You see something. You see where I'm going to get in trouble. I give you an invitation. Call me. Pull on my tie. Take me to the side. There's, there's too many men that... Amen. Got a new revelation. And First Timothy 5 and 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Your pastor, your pastor, your pastor that labors in the word that preaches to you, I mean, you ought to give him double honor, double value. You can't do too much for the man of God that, that wrestles and preaches to your soul. You got a man of God that preaches truth. Hallelujah. So we stand. Honor creates a spiritual buffer. Against the enemy's attacks. Valuing the sacred releases the power of God. While dishonor greatly hinders it. Matthew said in the 13th chapter of his gospel. And they were offended in him talking about Jesus. But Jesus said unto them. A prophet is not without honor. Without value. Safe in his own country. And in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there. I mean the people of Jesus' hometown. Did not value him. And he could not. Do many mighty works there. When we dishonor a man or a woman. Anointed of God. We shut down the power of God. From working through them. And blessing us talked about the London school disaster the time of that disaster in 1937 that natural gas someone someone decided I've, I've got a new revelation we're gonna we're gonna take a shortcut here and they had a plumber just hook a hook a line in and they ran the natural gas into that large school complex to to fire the boilers and amen and but it was unregulated. And it began to leak in that bottom structure of that building. At the time, natural gas, as you know, was sightless. But at the time, it was odorless, tasteless. Since then, in order to reduce the damage of future leaks and disasters, amen, laws have been passed to put thiols in the natural gas. Thiols is, you've ever smelt natural gas, you walk in, you say, Smells like rotten eggs. It, and, and you know you're warned of the danger. But at the time, thiols had not been introduced. Amen. In this invisible, odorless, tasteless enemy began to seek, began to sneak into those. All throughout that basement, they had a large crawl space. Amen. And then just one day, we, we wonder what happens to people's lives when, when it seems like they just go crazy one day. When all of a sudden a marriage just explodes one day. When a young person, amen, runs off and does something stupid one day. It, no, no, no. Doesn't happen like that. There's an invisible enemy that's been sneaking around. Amen. It's, it's been working its way into some areas. And then it's just one, one small event in life. And what happened at the New London School is the shop teacher flimply, simply flipped a switch to a sander. And somehow there was a spark. Amen. And that natural gas ignited. That entire building lifted off its foundation. Amen. That, that entire building, there, there was a PTA. Listen, this affects everybody.
Not only were there hundreds of children in that school, teenagers. There was a PTA meeting going on in the gymnasium. The band was practicing. The debate team was having practice. Thirteen minutes before a three-day weekend, life's ordinary event amen, occurred and destruction happened. Amen. All because it was an invisible, odorless, sightless enemy. Thanks be to God in the apostolic church. When, when, when that old enemy starts coming in, amen, and, and that dishonor, and we start losing the value of the things that have kept this apostolic church strong for years, it's no longer invisible. It's no longer undetectable. God has put a preacher in your life. God has put a pastor in your life. God has chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. Doesn't say God chose the foolishness of preaching to save, amen, to save unbelievers. We know that's part of it, amen. But His primary reason is to keep you that are in the church when you start going wrong. God gave us conviction. We wonder what's going on with our churches. Why we're not. Having the revival that I want so desperately in Tacoma. And you want desperately in your church. I know you do. You wouldn't be here. I fear we've made the mistake that Moses made. Moses had the right doctrine. Moses had the hand of God on him. Moses was called of God. But when Moses left his father-in-law's house to fulfill his calling and to set people free in Egypt... He didn't even make it to Egypt. And God smote him. And the Bible says, And God sought to kill him because the sacred had lost its value. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, it says because he didn't circumcise his son. He had two sons. If I'm reading that right, evidently somewhere he believed. Amen. That that sign of the covenant, that sacred sign of circumcision. But somewhere along the line between child number one and child number two, some things began to slip. Mom and dad, you hearing me? Some things began to slip. Amen. Son number one got circumcised, but 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 somehow. But listen, God said, You're you're not going to set Egypt free till you get the home home right. You're you're not going to be able to impact Egypt till you Till you get some things right, young people. Amen. Till you get some things right. Amen. There had to be some things worked out there. Amen. Between Moses and Sister Moses. <laughs> oh, she was, she was mad. Because of you, you bloody man. She didn't see it like he did. But all I know is this. God still held Moses accountable. When the sacred loses its value. I hope that at West Coast 2014, we haven't become so sophisticated and had the day planned out so much that we couldn't spend some time in prayer before going to the restaurants. Your text message can wait. You're going to get time to fellowship, but I just wonder if there's anybody that says, God, I never want to lose the value of the sacred. And they could find their way to an altar, could find a place to pray. Hallelujah. You've just spent your good hard money and you've come here and you've taken time.